Let's start with our word this morning. 1 Kings chapter 19. Um, I had a text from Phil on Friday and he says, have you, got a, have you got a verse? Or maybe it was Thursday. Have you got a verse? Do you know what you're going to be speaking on today? And if I'm honest, when that text landed in my phone, I wasn't totally sure. I sat there this morning and I'm now 100% sure that God has a word for this church. Because it fits exactly with what Yudi was just sharing. It's a slightly different um, kind of context, but it's almost identical story to the one that was read from Judges around Samson. So hopefully your ears will prick up and maybe God wants to speak something, not only into one person's life, but many persons' lives that this morning. And I love it when God does that. It's a real, real encouragement. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 8 and we'll see how far we get, probably six or seven verses. So God, uh, sorry, so he got up, talking about Elijah here. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and he spent the night there. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. A mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, He wrapped his face in his cloak. He went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way that you have come. Maybe you're familiar with Elijah. If you're not, then I want to encourage you to go and read the story of this amazing prophet. A prophet was a person in the Old Testament who tried to speak the words of God and live the ways of God in the culture that they found themselves in. How do we call people back to living life God's way. Oh, for a few more prophets in our world today. People who want to speak the word of God in culture and live it out and call people back to his ways. But, but Elijah had been on a bit of an emotional and physical roller coaster. You might want to just skip back the couple of chapters in your Bible. So chapter 17, um, we can read that Elijah's just raised a young boy back from death 
to life in a place called Zarephath. I mean, it doesn't happen on a daily basis, yeah? So it's a fairly kind of amazing thing that's happened in Elijah's life. Then he's gone onto the top of this mount, Mount Carmel, and he's taken on 850 prophets, the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah, not just in any normal battle, but by calling fire down from heaven. Incredible encounters with God. Then he remembers his own humanity. And Jezebel threatens him and he runs for his life. He sat under a tree. He's, he's wrung out and he's exhausted and he's praying to God, oh, that I might die. I want to give up. I'm too old. I've done enough for you, God, surely. Then an angel visits him. Again, quite a strange occurrence, and brings him food which sustains him and gives him enough energy to walk for 40 days and 40 nights to this place called Horeb. And then we read that in this account that Elijah is now having a sleep in the cave when God comes and reveals himself to him in spectacular ways. The wind that is strong enough to knock rocks off the side of the mountain, then the earthquakes and then the fire and then the gentle whisper. And Elijah hears God's voice. Don't know if we're able to pull the uh, slides up on the screen, if we can, because what I want to challenge, and my title for this morning's message is this, are you paying attention? Are you paying attention to, to the voice of God? When was the last time you heard God speak, and what did you do with it? I used to do a lot of work in schools, RE um, lessons and, and various things in high schools. And most kids in school would have no doubt that it was okay to talk to God. So if I said that I talk to God, they'd kind of go, okay, yeah, we get that. That's prayer. Then if I followed that sentence by saying, oh, by the way, he talks back to me, they think I'm mad. You see, but as Christians, prayer is not a one-way thing. We talk to God, but we expect God to talk back to us. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to turn to the person next to you. What was the last thing God said to you and what did you do about it? Maybe you're not a Christian. You can just listen to somebody else's story. Um, Off you go. Okay, just another 30 seconds. Maybe you want to swap over. 
Okay, I'm hearing a gentle lull in the conversation. So, you see, as, as followers of Jesus, last time I was here, I was talking about being a disciple, someone who follows Jesus. How can we follow someone that we never hear? How can we follow something that, or someone that we never pay attention to? Jesus, in his teaching, often said this, those who have ears to hear, listen and understand and do what I say. The writer to Hebrews is on the screen behind me. You must pay most careful attention, therefore, to what you have heard so that you don't drift away. I want to call us this morning to be people who pay attention. And we're going to get back to the story of Elijah towards the end of the talk. But there's three things from Scripture I want to draw out that that I think enables us in our Christian living if we are people who pay attention to God. And this is the first one. Our full attention always gets God's attention. If we tune into God, God is like desperate to speak to us. How much attention are we giving him? A couple of years ago, quite a few years ago, I was taking a, a group of young people on a walk and it was up a, a gentle hill in North Wales. It's called Mofama, I think they pronounce it. Probably slightly different if you're Welsh. And, and I was walking up this hill on a really, really windy day. I mean like so windy that we were struggling to, to walk up with our little packed lunches. There was a moment on the side of the hill, I'm not going to demonstrate it now, but I'll let you use your imagination, where we lifted our coats above our heads you know, made a sail and you could lean into the wind on a 45 degree angle and just not fall over. It was like, this is amazing. The wind was so strong. So I got to the top of the hill and I was pretty amazed that this guy was on the top of the hill with a a, a little tent and a 12 foot aerial mast. I'm thinking, how on earth have you got up to the top of this hill with this amazing stuff? And I've struggled to get up with my packed lunch. So I invited myself into his tent because it was the only way you could hear each other speak. It was so windy. So strangely, the two of us were lying down in his one-man tent. And and I kind of asked him the question, what are you doing on top of Mofama on such a windy day with all of this equipment? And this is what he said. I'm playing a game. For the last 24 hours, I've got this thing called a CB radio. And I'm seeing how many people I can contact in a 24-hour period. Then I started looking around the tent and there was, there was loads of AA batteries that he'd kind of used and were discarded to the side. And he had a notepad where he'd started writing down all the people that he'd been able to contact in the last 24-hour period. This guy was so focused on doing the job he'd come to do, there was nothing, not even the wind, was going to stand in his way. I wonder when the last time you or I gave God that kind of attention. God, I'm going to get in a quiet place. I'm going to get on top of the mountain. I'm going to create some space. I'm going to get the resources around me that I need because I'm desperate to hear your voice. don't know about you, but I struggle sometimes living in this 24-hour news culture you know, with my phone pinging every two seconds, with social media coming at me, with work, family commitments, even my own thoughts that are going on so often. How do I find space to hear what God wants to say? I wonder if there's certain rhythms that you've had in your life 
where you used to hear God speak that have drifted. And maybe this morning God's saying to you, let's get some of those rhythms back in your life to hear me, hear me regularly. What's the one thing you could do even today that would increase your attention radar back towards the things of God? What's the one thing you could do today? John chapter 10 verse 4 says this, after he gathered his flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. Followers of Jesus in Selly Oak, beginning of April 2022, do we know the voice of God? Are we paying attention to what he's saying to us on a daily basis? You see, because people who are following Jesus know his voice and pay attention to him. What would it look like if you turned up the dial on the attention radar? Maybe you start seeing God in creation. Maybe you start seeing God in other people. Maybe you start hearing God in conversations, in technology, in news, in relationships, friendships. Maybe you start hearing God's voice through your kids or even the food you eat. How do we start hearing God's voice in every aspect of life, in the gentle whispers, as well as the moments of adventure? I just have this sense that if we started increasing our attention radar, God will be desperate to speak. Maybe you'll be wowed by what he says to you over this Easter season. Maybe even transformed in the process. So the first thing is that when we pay attention, God gives us his full attention. Second thing is this, prayer is paying attention. I I don't know about you, I'm an activist. I like doing stuff. So if someone tells me to sit in a quiet room and pray for a while, I have to work hard at it. It's a discipline for me. I much prefer to get in a prayer meeting with 25 other people and, and allow their energy to spark my energy rather than finding that time on my own. But I think one aspect of prayer is actually just tuning in to the voice of God. I remember as a kid, my mum every night would be lying in bed and I'd blurt out a list of things that I was praying for. I was trying to get God's attention by saying all of these things. I had a list of people I didn't even know, but my mum told me I needed to pray for. And I'd try and say it faster every night so we could get through the list. Yeah, And it would make her happy because I'd done my prayers and, and I'd go to bed and I was desperate for God to listen to me. Maybe that's the Sunday school idea that we hear of prayer. But actually, as I've got a bit older, I've started to realise that that prayer's probably less about me getting God's attention and more about him getting my attention. Someone once said this, tell me what you pay attention to and I'll tell you who you are. Tell me what you pay attention to. What are you focusing on? And I'll tell you who you are. Jesus put it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart is. The things that are important to you, that's what you give your heart and your time and attention to. Sometimes for me, it's making my house look nice. Trying to make my garden look as nice as the next door neighbours. 
Maybe for me or for you, it's finding the right things to wear or what box set I'm going to get through next or what's going on in the Premier League or what music I'm into. All of those things that we pay attention to and God's saying, what about me? Are we listening to the whisper of God? Mary Oliver said these words, to pay attention to God is our endless and proper work. Wow. To pay attention to God is our endless and proper work. Have you ever been on one of those journeys with a family in a car? You may have your own family. You may have been in a car with another family. And maybe the person driving the car turns on the car stereo and plays their, their tune. I think it kind of goes with the territory. The person driving gets to choose the music. So, so you set off on this journey and the music's playing. Could be some kind of jazz if it's Isaac. Or it could be something a, a lot heavier if it's Phil. And you've got, you've got it kind of blasting. And... Um, you're listening to the music. But then there's people in the back seat who don't particularly agree with your choice of music. And maybe subtly through the headphones, they start listening to something else. Or maybe if they're my kids, they don't use the headphones and they just play it through the phone. And you've got this clash going on in the car. You've got the very nice, gentle, fun music playing through the proper stereo. And then you've got this annoying noise coming from the back seat. You can't go very long before one of those tunes is going to win. You can't go very long before the person driving says, oh, forget it, I'm turning mine off, even if they hate the music coming from the phone in the back, because the clash is absolutely awful. I wonder if prayer, as followers of Jesus, is listening to the voice of God to the point that when we hear his tune over our lives we start to adjust the tune that our own lives are making until it comes into harmony or amplifies the voice of God that he's singing over us maybe the tune in your stereo or coming from your phone or in your headphones is totally in conflict with the heart of love and peace and generosity and kindness and gentleness and justice that God is singing over you in this world and he's saying, turn down your own stereo and tune into my voice. Be my ambassador. Be the person who represents me in this world. See, prayer is not just coming to God with a list. It's allowing the voice of God to to tune and retune and rearrange what is going on in our lives. So our life doesn't clash with the priorities of God. Hebrews 12 puts it like this, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. I wonder if the song coming from your life this morning's got a few flat notes, slightly out of tune, maybe the timing or the rhythm doesn't match with the heart of God. Maybe there's some things he's been speaking to you over the last couple of weeks and months and you've just drowned them out with busyness and distraction. And God's saying, listen to my voice. Tune your ways in to my ways. One other thing I just want to pick up on when it comes to paying attention, and we're going to get back to the story of Elijah and bring this into land in a moment, but... Let me just give you a few verses by way of a hint of where I'm going with this last point. 
Psalm 119 says this, I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. 2 Corinthians verse 4, uh, sorry, chapter 4, 18. Fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Philippians 3, 17, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Here's my last point. When we pay attention to the things of God, we are no longer the center of attention in our own lives. When we pay attention to the things of God, we realize that we're not actually as important as we thought we were. That actually God's ways are far more important than my ideas. And there's a different way to live. My, my daughter, I'm not going to tell you the full story, but my daughter's 23 and she gets married in a few weeks' time. Very exciting. But, but when 20 years ago, she was three years old, she went into Alderhey Hospital, um, which is a, a very kind of famous children's hospital in Liverpool, for an incredibly serious operation. It was an eight-hour operation that she was going to be going through. And you can imagine for Liz and me, we were distraught. How can our three-year-old go through this and the surgeon describes what it is they're going to do to her and you're thinking, can you even do that to a human being? And yet, obviously in Alderhey Hospital, it wasn't just Hannah there. There was loads of kids on the ward. And we went in and if we're honest, we were in our own little bubble and we were concerned about our little world and we were concerned, rightly so, about our little daughter. But as we sat in the waiting room, And as we tuned in to what was going on in other people's lives and started to listen to other people's stories, our situation didn't go away, but it certainly started to get some perspective. We weren't the only people going through things. And actually some people had been there for years and years and years and their kids had never got out of hospital. And we started to kind of go, ah, okay, God, this is a big thing, but maybe it's not the only thing that's going on in the world. You see, I think one of the dangers for us as Christians is that we, um, we, we focus so much on ourselves. And I don't think that's what the Christian faith's about. You know, when I read scripture, it says less of me and more of him. Not denying myself or ignoring myself or treating myself badly, but recognizing that I, with him, get to serve God in this world. I was speaking at a college a couple of years ago and I took a friend with me and we were sitting around having coffee and my friend was listening to this student who was just complaining and moaning and going on and on and on and I'm not the most patient person in the world and I was really impressed with my friend's ability to listen to this person go on and on and on about themselves. Then when there was a gap in the conversation she said to this complaining person, I really wish you were my friend. And I'm thinking, that's the strangest thing to say to this person who's going on. And and then they qualified it. I really wish you were my friend because you make my life sound so much better. You see, when we stop focusing on ourselves and we start to get a different perspective, when we focus on what God is doing in this world... When we tune into the news and say, actually, 
rather than this is going to increase the oil prices and petrol prices and make my life more difficult, what about people in the other part of the world who are facing this and going through it? God, what's your heart for them? God, give me a heart of compassion. Show me how I can serve them with the little or the much that I have had. We step out of being center stage in our own lives and we recognize our purpose in the world. See, for Elijah, he'd had an incredible life. The never running out oil jars, the the calling down fire from heaven, the the, the, um, praying for rain, the speaking up boldly against the king, sprinting away from chariots. He'd seen God do so much in so many ways. But verse 10, I'm the only one left now and they're trying to kill me. It's suddenly become all about him. See, it's easy sometimes in the adventures of life to see what God's doing, but in the ordinary every day, we miss what God is about. Elijah's sitting under a tree or sitting in a cave and is a little bit depressed. He's scared for his life. He's living with his doubts and insecurities He's now in the normal, ordinary, everyday things. And God just reminds him, my presence is with you. Yes, I'm powerful. Yes, I can bring storms and earthquakes and fire. You've seen me do those things. But I'm even with you in the gentle whisper. I'm even with you in those thoughts in your head that you're battling with. I'm with you in your insecurities. I'm with you in some of the the doubts you've got about my existence. I'm with you when you're wondering how you're going to pay your bills next week or next month. I'm with you with that awkward neighbour. I'm with you in that job situation that you're struggling with. I'm with you with that deadline that you've got that you don't know how you're going to get. I'm bothered about all those things things. Stop making those the center of attention and make me the center of attention and let me walk you through them. You see, because the promise that we get over and over and over and over in scripture is this, I am with you. I'll never leave you, whatever the circumstances. You see, sometimes there's Pentecostal Christians We crave God to turn up in the big and spectacular and amazing and all-powerful. And that's great. Let's keep doing that. But let's also believe that God's in the everyday and the ordinary things. Eugene Peterson put it like this. I'm just going to finish by reading from Romans chapter 12 in the message version. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your ordinary, everyday life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so adjusted to the culture that you just fit into it without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside to out. Readily recognize what he wants you to do and quickly respond to it. 
unlike the culture around you, always dragging you away to its level of immaturity, God wants to bring the best out in you. He wants to develop you to well-formed maturity. Are you paying attention to the voice of God? Are we allowing God's voice to transform our lives and bring us in tune with him? Are we recognizing that our lives aren't the most important thing in this world, but actually as we find less of us and more of him, we can make a difference and see a way through even in the difficult things of life? Just let's take a moment. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a second. I want to go back to the word that was shared earlier. I want to tie it into what I feel God might be saying to us this morning because I believe there will, will be people and there are people in a room this size that are going through some difficult things. Some of those things may be circumstantial. They may be external to us, but I believe there are a number of people this morning who are going through some things that are internal. Doubts in their own head, battles, self-confidence, struggling with their, their mental health, a little bit like Elijah under the tree saying, God, I'm rubbish and I can't do this. I just, life's over. Maybe you're just in that place of doubt and despondency. Maybe even just going through some tough times and you just need to be reminded this morning that God is with you in that place. He wants you to pay attention to him, tune into him, hear his voice, allow his healing and restoration to come and reach into your life this morning. Not to say that there aren't other things that can help us on this journey, but God this morning wants to reach in and just make a difference where you are. So I want to give you a little moment to respond. Phil said that there'll be a chance to pray at the end. And if you want to talk any of this thing through or kind of take some time to speak and pray with someone, I'd love to do that. And other pastors, I'm sure, would love to do that. But um, just where you are right now, as um, Isaac comes back and, and leads us in worship, as everyone's eyes are closed, I just want you to kind of if there's something that you need God to, to reach into in your life, if you're, you're desperate for his voice and you haven't heard him, you know you need to start paying more attention to him and creating rhythms to listen to the voice of God. Maybe a circumstance or situation or a personal trial where you need him to reach in. Just where you are, just stand to your feet. I just want to pray for you. Pray that reminder that it's not about us, but it's God's presence with us that makes all the difference. As you stand, you can be aware of what it is, and you're just surrendering it to God and saying, God, this isn't about me anymore. It's about you. Don't be embarrassed about what other people are thinking. This is just a moment for you to just be serious with God and say, God, I need you to reach into my life. Just going to give another moment.
Heavenly Father, you can see the individuals, the stories, you know, the circumstances of people's lives around this building right now who have stood before you. God, the great thing is you know the intimate details of their lives. You love them. You know their thoughts before they think it. You know the circumstances of their life before they've even been lived. So God, this morning I want to pray that your presence and your power reaches into their lives. Father, I pray you'll calm people's minds where they're struggling to turn them off. Where that inner critic, that inner voice is so loud that they can't hear your voice. God, I pray this morning that people will be able to tune in to what you're speaking over their lives rather than what the devil or what they might be saying over themselves. Well, maybe for some people this morning who've just fallen out of the rhythm of taking time with you. Father, I pray they'll be able to put things into their lives, prioritizing the calendar or diary, ways of listening to your voice and giving you the attention you deserve. Father, for some people who just feel like giving up on this Christian life, maybe even feel like giving up on life, God, I just pray that you pour the oil of your spirit into their lives. Lord, that they will know your presence in an undeniable way. Lord, that even if the circumstances of their life are screaming, give up, God, that they will know that your presence makes a difference. And so, Father, we pray for your presence this morning. It's here with us, but we pray we'll be more acutely aware of it. God, help us to pay attention to you. Help us to be tuned into you. Help us to hear your voice so that we can walk in your ways. We ask this. We ask this in Jesus' name.